What is going on, everyone? This is Zach back here with another episode of Clutch Crew Sports. And here in today's episode, we are going to look in and do a recap for each of the first three games of the NBA Finals. We're going to talk about the best players, the worst players in each of the games for all the teams and talk about what we think needs to happen going forward. So hope you hopefully you guys enjoy this episode. And now let me introduce you to the rest of the crew. What's going on, guys? This is Eric, your ranting co-host here. Glad to be back for another episode, talking some NBA Finals. Uh, hope you guys enjoy it, and uh, just looking forward to breaking it down for you guys. And what's going on, guys? It's Connor, the co-host with the most, and you know I'm pretty looking pretty good here with my prediction that I had for the finals. You know, I I've so far. I've, predicted it to where I said, you know, the Suns would win in five and that the Bucks would win game three and then that would be it. So, uh, you know, looking good. I hope the Bucks can turn it around, but, you know, I'm excited to talk about, see if maybe they can or if the Sun, if we think the Suns are going to close it out or not. Yeah. And guys, let me just, before we get into the uh, discussion about the NBA finals, let me just, just uh, say this like stat for you guys and see how you react. Um, this is now our third NBA Finals that we've covered on this podcast. That's how long we've been doing this podcast. Eric, you've been Whoa. with me since the first one. So yeah, thir- third Finals, man. How how's it feel to be to, for this is this, this is like we've done this before multiple times now. <laughs> yeah, we have. We have. Well, it was even crazier back when we first started doing it because we were literally dropping episodes after every game. So that oh, was, you're right. Yeah, that, that was exhausting <laughs> back then. We were doing like the DraftKings lineups every game and all that. So it's nice to kind of do it this way where we're not having to do this two or three times a week and just kind of break it down all at once. It's a lot easier. So especially working two jobs now. So that makes it much more simple. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. that was crazy that we used to do episodes like after every every game. game. You remember that too, Connor? (laughs) I know. Yeah, well, I was there too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, no, we had to plan that out. I remember, I think there was, I mean, I know because you guys did the first two, and then, like, I think we all were able to do, like, four, like, three and four, and then there was, like, five, like, it was only me and Zach, and then I said, I remember those DraftKings lineups, because I remember when we were talking about, like, what we were going to do for the episode tonight, I was like, huh, I wonder if we could, like, make a DraftKings, like we used to do for the old ones, where we were discussing about whether we thought, like, Pascal Siakam was, like, a good pick for the DraftKings or not or whatever and this time we'd be like oh you know should we do like like should we pick Chris Middleton this time or you know whatever or like you know someone picking Kevin Durant and then he got hurt in that trashy move by the Raptors fans booing him that's true and we got my most classic rant from that first NBA NBA finals and and we had the rant on the Golden State Warriors fans leaving the arena when they were losing so yeah I got some good and you and you and you ranted didn't you rant on like Mark Jackson too because yeah yeah yeah, the he co- was like, this Warriors team would never make the playoffs if it was like this from the start of the season. And I'm like, bro, you're high, bro. <laughs> like, there's well, still, also- <laughs> still Steph and Clay and Draymond. Like, yeah. Also, we we started this at a good time, I think, because in the three years now we've, we've covered the finals, it's been six completely different teams. So remember all the, the four times of uh oh, of Cavs Warriors Cavs and like, Warriors like every four single straight time. Years. And then now we've had different matchups every single time. No team has came back to the finals yet. You know, Heat, Lakers, Bucks, Suns, and Warriors, Raptors. Thank and... God for that. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 enjoying that very much. So Yeah. <laughs> um I mean we just we'll need get to get a... that we we need to get that going in college football now. Like we need Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State to like all miss the college football playoff this season. Oh. Uh, the chance oh, of that happening is like the chance of like this podcast like getting a hundred thousand views tomorrow. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, um, <clears throat> we'll talk about that later. So, like, uh, I do think it's a good thing that we have you know these different teams making the finals for the di- for the fan bases that haven't seen their team in the finals in forever. But we'll get on to a discussion later on about these specific finals and how entertaining they've been or haven't been based on the scores so i've got the scores up here um i'll just quickly go through the the scores for the first three games so we had of course phoenix winning game one and two 
Um, they won each of these. I guess uh, they Phoenix has to score 118 points, guys. If they get to that, they're going to win because that's how they <laughs> won their first two games is 118 points. And then the Bucks, they were they've kept it triple digits. Also, they uh, they scored 105 in the first game and lost by 13. The second game, they lost by 10, scoring 108. And then in the third game, the Bucks finally got a win here, a 20 point win. 120 to 100. So all the scores for these games have been in the triple digits. I guess Phoenix barely kept that going last night. Um, but yeah, so it's a two to one series lead for the Suns. A uh, couple things to talk about here. The home team has won every game. And we have game four coming up on Wednesday night. So that's obviously a, a huge game. The Bucks want to... Uh, protect home court, tie the series up, and then try and steal one in Phoenix. And then the Suns would love the opportunity to win game four and then get the chance to win game five and close out the series at home. So this game four, and I know a lot of times uh, you see the stats where the team that wins game four like typically wins the series, unless it's like three to zero. And then the zero team wins game four. But in a close series like this, um, the team that wins game four has, for whatever reason, seems to win it a lot. Um, And also the Phoenix Suns have won every single game four of their playoffs so far. So they're obviously trying to keep that streak alive. Um, So basically what we're going to do, guys, is talk about each of these three games individually because... Uh, it'll get really confusing if we start talking about Giannis in game one versus Giannis in game three, and then go switch it up and talk about CP three in game two. So we're just going to keep the discussion one game at a time. As every coach in every sports league has always said one game at a time. And then at the end, (laughs) we'll kind of, yeah, it's true though. They always say that, you know, you know what I'm talking about, Eric. I Um, I know exactly what you're talking about. (laughs) uh, And then, after we get through all three games, we'll kind of take a look at some of those things that happened throughout all the games and more continuous thoughts about the finals going forward. So we are doing this all in one episode also, not you know making an episode after every game, obviously. Um, so yeah, this, that's basically the plan for this episode, uh, telling you guys ahead of time so you know what's in store, but I will go ahead and let Eric start the discussion about game one. Talk to us, Eric, about how the game went, and you can ask us questions, and yeah. All right, cool, man. So, obviously, the while the Suns won the game, obviously the biggest storyline that came out of the game was the fact that Giannis ended up playing in the game. Uh, it was very surprising because it was initially reported that you know, for, when he first got injured, it looked like he might not even play in the, be able to play in the series at all. And then as the series got closer, it looked like, well, he's probably going to miss a few games, but it should he should be able to come back at some point. And then as the series got really close to starting, it was like, well, hopefully he'll be back by game two, but game one's not looking good. But he ended up coming back in this first game. And uh, while obviously he was more dominant in games two and three, like we'll talk about, he still had a pretty good showing, uh, you know, just one week after that injury. I, I personally, I don't know about you guys, but I was personally surprised that he didn't re have a re injury on the knee. Uh, I just was with him coming back so soon. I was pretty worried about that. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I th- this is something Connor and I like both agree yeah, on. Yeah, we actually talked about this. <laughs> yeah, Connor and I, for the first time in a long time, agree on something here that we were we were concerned <laughs> about <laughs> we were concerned about him re-injuring and being like, okay, like it'd be one thing if it was like a game seven, you know, but this is just game one of the series, like on the road, like it doesn't seem good to bring him back. And like you said, Eric, I think he played well. There was only a couple times it looked like he had an injury, but for the most part, he looked fine to me. And so I think after that showing, it showed that, okay, Giannis is going to be Giannis for these finals. Um, Would have liked for him to be a little bit more aggressive in this first game one, but 
I'm not going to say anything bad about him because it was the first game back from the injury, and who knows what the pain ta- yeah, what the pain was he, like for him. And he actually well, did play pretty aggressively. Go ahead, Connor. Okay, yeah. Well, I was going to say, I mean, you know, you talk about him not being as aggressive in game one, but that probably led to him not re-injuring it, honestly, because had he tried to go out there and be like his normal self, you know, doing those like three-step drives to the hoop in transition and you know, just driving hard and dunking over people, then he probably would have re-injured it. I mean, you know, given his style of play, <clears throat> that's what you and I were talking about, that we were saying that he was going to re-injure it. So yeah. probably a good thing that he didn't do that. So now he can, you know, be more at full strength for the rest of the series. Yeah, so I, I give him a lot of props for even playing in the game and playing as well as he did, even though out of technically out of the three games so far, it was his worst game. But just the fact that he came back and tried and gave an effort like I give him a lot of credit for that and he didn't settle for jump shots that much which I liked uh I I was kind of worried he was going to do that uh he was bad at the free throw line but he got he was like pretty much the only Bucks player in the game to really go to the free throw line during that game and that like if you watched my mukbang you know you'll hear that I said after my thoughts on game one that I thought the, not necessarily Giannis, but that the rest of the Bucks team needed to be more aggressive because they were not getting to the free throw line at all. And that was really the biggest difference in the game was because if you looked at the shooting stats and the numbers and all that, you would have thought if you were just looking at that and you didn't know what the score was, you would have thought that it was a really close game. But the reason why it ended up being a blowout was, well, I mean, it wasn't a huge blowout, but the reason why the Suns won in double digits was because they were way more aggressive offensively and getting to the free throw line way more often than the Bucks were. And they made all their free throws except for like one in garbage time at the end. Like they had made pretty much all their free throws. So kind of weird to hear a, you know, finals basketball game the difference you know coming down to free throws being the biggest reason why a team won or lost the game but I mean that was really the biggest difference and um, CP3 had a big night for the Suns in this game Um, obviously the series isn't over yet and you know we don't know what will happen but I think he is on pace to get the MVP I know uh Connor and Zach predicted this in the previous episode. I didn't give my MVP prediction. I forgot, but uh, my MVP prediction was Devin Booker. But he overall hasn't really been that great in this series so far. So if the Suns win, unless he just has some crazy games at the end, I don't think he'll get it. We'll probably talk more about that Mm -hmm. uh, a little bit later. And then the other biggest uh, note from the game was Dario Saric getting injured. And I know normally... Like, a lot of people may not even know who that is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, he's, definitely not a, he's definitely not a big name on the Suns roster or anything. But the biggest problem with him being hurt is that the Suns were already kind of thin at the big position. I mean, they obviously, they got DeAndre Ayton, who's had a fantastic series so far. But the problem is, is that other than him, they don't really have anybody, which is going to be a big reason right. why they lost Hornet. what about hornets legend frank kaminsky oh my gosh hornets so, legend Con- yeah. like Connor, <laughs> i'll say Connor, we already have nick bomb and bismack bumbombo do we have frank Baminski? i mean the thing about kaminsky though is that he was never expected to be anything like super good i mean you know we were never paying him a boatload of money like you know but bumbo had that big contract like the year before this one and then obviously we're still paying Nick Bum, like so. I'm not gonna give a nickname to Frank Kaminsky, but you know he's he's definitely not very good. Definitely not yeah, a bright spot in the, the Hornets' past. There's a reason why he hadn't played hardly at all in these playoffs uh, until Sarge got hurt. Because while Sarge isn't amazing or anything, he'll at least go out there and get you, you know, get you the rebounds you need to get. He'll set the screens. He can you know, get some putbacks and he's also a decent three point shooter. Like he made some, he made some threes. I've seen him make a good amount of threes throughout the playoffs. He made that three pointer, man. He made that three pointer. Yeah. Well, you know, unlike Carl Anthony Townsend, he doesn't just strictly rely on that, you know, but (laughs) but, but if he's wide open, he'll shoot the three. He makes it a good amount. So he can contribute, but uh, we'll talk about when we get to game three, uh, probably a big reason why they lost that game was because when Aiton was out of the game, the Suns were getting torched. 
on the rebounds, especially the Bucks were getting a lot of second chance points from that. And kind of like how the Bucks are thin at guard right now with DiVincenzo, uh, probably not even pronouncing that right, but DiVincenzo. DiVincenzo, there we go. I don't know why I couldn't say that. <laughs> but with, with him being out, you know, the Bucks are really thin at the guard position, whereas that's the biggest strength for the Suns. But now it's almost kind of like a equalizer in a way with Sarge being out and then the Suns not really having any big. So I guess like, you know, my question that like I'll ask you guys uh, before we go into game two is like, which injury do you think is more significant? The DiVincenzo injury for the Bucks? I probably said that wrong again. Or the, <laughs> or the Sarge injury for the Suns? Which one do you think, which team is hurt worse by the injury? I'll let, I'll let Connor go first on this one. Um, I mean, it's very interesting. I think if I had to say, I still say probably the DiVincenzo injury for the Bucks. Um, <clears throat> just because I think we saw the effect of that throughout this whole playoffs, kind of like, the Bucks were really missing another. I mean, I don't know. Um, I know we have the stat up here, like you know, sixteen from tw- sixteen of twenty six from three is not bad. But generally, when the Bucks are off from three, you know, it's because they really only have like Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday to shoot threes. Like Lopez shoots them too, but um, you know, he's obviously not the greatest in the world. Um, but they're really missing another outside scoring threat when they had, and that's what DiVincenzo really gave them. You know, obviously. They like to be aggressive, which they weren't in game one, but they like to be aggressive, get into the paint. Giannis obviously does his thing. But, um, you know, we've always talked about in the past that the way that Giannis has success is that he has really good shooters around him. And the not having DiVincenzo really limits them in that area even more than they already were to start with. Like the Bucks were already not a great three-point shooting team. And then losing DiVincenzo, you lose one of your best. That really hurts you. Um I think the thing for the Suns with Saric is that if he can, it's really just, I mean, we're going to talk about this a little bit later for game three too, but it's just really about DeAndre Ayton staying out of foul trouble. Like if he can stay out of foul trouble, I think they're fine. But Mm -hmm. you're right though, that if he does, you know, if he gets into foul trouble, like he did in game three, then, you know, the Bucks have a lot of bigs, you know, they got Giannis, Brooke Lopez, um, you know, they got, I mean, PJ Tucker is not obviously not, Bobby Portis, PJ Tucker is obviously not Thonsis. big, but you know, you grab, <laughs> what about Thanasis? <laughs> yeah, Thanasis. <laughs> but yeah, the Bucks have a lot of a lot of size on this team, and you know, if they are able to, you know, the team that controls controls the boards controls the game. So, but I still say that DiVincenzo's injury is bigger for the Bucks than Sarich's for the Suns. So uh, I'm going to disagree with this. Shocker! Shocker! Uh, <laughs> But we've, we've agreed too much at this point. We have to disagree now. But no, <laughs> it's close. I do think it's close, but I give the edge for the more important thing to being Sarge's injury because, for one, it's happened. It happened like two minutes into game one here, so it was a shocker sort of thing. Whereas like the Bucks had prepared for like multiple playoff series now without having DiVincenzo in the lineup. So it's the Bucks have you know, gotten used to not having DiVincenzo out there. People always say three Vincenzo um, (laughs) because he's like a three point guy. But, but also too, I'll say this, like I think the way that the Bucks should win these games and the best, their best chance at winning the finals is not shooting threes. And it's going like through Giannis in the paint. And I think actually, having DiVincenzo would kind of hurt that from a from a standpoint of Giannis. So, and he's not a good enough three. It's not like he's a Steph Curry or Dame Lillard from three type of player. Yeah, he he's a good three-point shooter, but he's not an outstanding one to where you feel like, oh, this is a three-point sniper that's, you know, missing. So, in that aspect, I think the Bucks actually will play a way that is more likely to make them win the game without jacking up a ton of threes, even though they still kind of been doing that throughout the series. Um, whereas Sarge PJ Tucker, injured, but PJ Tucker is such a great shooter. <laughs> whereas well, like the Sarge, corner, <laughs> the corner three for PJ. Yeah. But the Sarge's injury, man, like that was and like DiVincenzo is the better player between the two, but for Sarge, 
he was playing, you know, big minutes with them and having to play Frank Kaminsky now, like more is definitely a downgrade. And it's like you said, with, with Aiton having to, they were already a small team to go with and it makes them even smaller. So I think that's, you know, a, a downside to them, but I'll, what about, what about you, Eric? What do you think uh, between the two injuries? Yeah, I I mean, Con- Connor's right in the sense that if Aiden stays out of foul trouble, that, you know, it shouldn't be as big of a difference because he did sit out pretty much almost the entire third quarter due to being in foul trouble. But, but man, just even the little bits that Kaminsky has been in the game. Now, I didn't get to see game two, which we're going to talk about later, but from what I saw like in games one and three, just the little bit that he was out there, I mean, he's getting torched. And so then they had to take him out because of how bad he was getting torched. But then the problem was that then they're not getting rebounds. And the Bucks were obviously on fire in game three. I mean, it seemed like they were making everything, which I don't expect to happen continuously going forward. But the problem was, was when either Kaminsky was in there or when he wasn't in there and they had to, they went with more of a small ball lineup. I mean, even when the bucks weren't making it, they were getting rebounds and then getting putbacks and still scoring every time. And even though the Suns had a run in the third quarter where it seemed like they were making every shot, they couldn't close the gap because of that. And so I, I'm going to agree with Zach. I think Sarge is the bigger problem because even though, DiVincenzo shoots the three pretty well and the Bucks miss that. While they're not an elite three-point shooting team, they still have other options that can go out there and hit the three. Whereas with the Suns, you know, other than Aiton, who do they really have that they can count on to get you those big rebounds and key moments when they need them? You know, if Aiton, you know, is in foul trouble or if it's just like during the time where he has to take a break and he's out of the game, like who are you going to count on to get those boards to give you the you know get you in transition or maybe get you an offensive board when you're if you're struggling get you an offensive Jay board Crowder. oh yeah <laughs> yeah look at that three-pointer too man <laughs> <laughs> but that's the problem though for the suns you know when they're out there with a lineup with like cameron johnson and jay crowder and you know mccall and uh or uh bridges and then they're out there against Giannis and bobby portis i mean they don't stand a chance on the boards or if it's like yeah, Giannis yeah. and lopez like they don't have a chance on the boards even if it's just like one of those guys like <laughs> yeah so i mean i i think sarge is the bigger loss i mean like i agree with zach too in the sense that it is close it's not like obvious you know like it's not like an it's, obvious yeah choice, it's not like yeah it's not like it's like Giannis versus Saric or something. It'd be like, duh, Giannis, you know, but. <laughs> oh, no, uh, man. No, man. Saric, that's yeah, a big so, injury. <laughs> <laughs> I guess those are the main takeaways from game one that I had. I don't know if you guys have anything else before we go on to game two, but um, that's my game one analysis. Yeah, I think you did a yeah. good job, Eric. Thank you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. And now everybody on Twitter, uh, see if you agree with me. Did Eric do a good job? Covering game one, hit us up at Clutch Crew Sports. Well, don't worry, it can't be any worse than probably what I'll do because this is obviously my weakness as a co host. Yeah, (laughs) don't worry, put you in the tough spot here. We can make a poll on Twitter, you know, what grade (laughs) do you give me? You know, yeah, (laughs) or or like we're like, you know, listen to game, listen to every single one, like listen to game one, game two, and game three, and then who did the best? (laughs) Yeah, the best conversation. (laughs) That was good job, Eric. Good job, thank you. Thank you. Bottom of my heart, I'm I'm, I'm actually (laughs) serious. I'm not. People yeah. will think I'm being sarcastic. I think you did a really good job, man. Oh, uh, thanks, man. Um, <laughs> I worked hard. <laughs> I worked hard. I, I you know, did that look, research, man. <laughs> look, I did. I did a mukbang and ate raising canes while talking about this game. So you know, yeah, I was you prepared. also knew like about this plan like 30 minutes before we started recording too. So uh, yeah, it's not oh, like yeah. Yeah, it's not like we had that slide. If you're watching on YouTube, I made these slides like earlier today. So it's with. I should probably start doing these like after the game, you know, like, but I just realized about this. Uh, this would be yeah, a good way. Right. We're making it work. We're making it work. <laughs> yep, man, yeah, man. Okay. So let's get to game two guys. So this was the second game that the sun scored 118 points. And this I'll talk about the, the bucks first here and then go to the suns. And then I'll actually go over to Twitter and show you guys what I consider to be the play of the game. Uh, so uh, I'm glad I get to cover game two just to show that. Um, 
So Giannis, oh, are we going to get a copyright strike because of you showing a clip? <laughs> hopefully, it's it's hopefully it's not long enough to get a copyright strike. But we'll see. <laughs> um, breaking, I know I'm breaking the the biggest rule in podcasting when you show like a video thing. You're the people on the podcast apps are like, "What are you talking about?" But we'll try and try and explain right. what what happened. It's just one play, but here's some of the keys, guys, for game two. Giannis, this was his first game scoring 40 points in the finals. And I think um, I think he joins uh, Michael Jordan as the only person ever to have back-to-back 40-point games in their first NBA finals, I heard. So Giannis with the Take injury. That, LeBron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Le- LeBron um, who? <laughs> so LeBron. Oh, God. <laughs> Giannis, man, did everything he could to keep his team in the game. It was just the, what let the Bucks down was Chris Middleton really terribly inefficient Shocker. on offense, scored 11 points. I know we like I'm a bigger Middleton fan than you guys are, but this game too, the blame has to be on him because with with a normal Middleton game, like an all star level Chris Middleton type of game, I think the Bucks win the game. But some continuous problems here uh, in lack of adjustments, I think, cost the Bucks in game two. Kind of like what Eric talked about on his mukbang. If you guys didn't watch that mukbang, go check it out at the Clutch Crew Sports YouTube channel. Um, he does mukbangs every two weeks talking about sports. Um, so if you have any questions you want him to answer on the mukbang as he reviews some food, go ahead and, and message Eric and he'll try and... Uh, answer your question on there but he was talking about like what the bucks would need to do to adjust and i thought they just didn't do that in game two really they still shot they this was their three point percentage nine of 31 from three that's way too many threes i think the bucks should not have taken that many threes and they should have you know taken advantage more of the paint where they have the matchup in this series and it was a bad three-point percentage and the problem is the three-pointers they get good looks but they're just bad shooters i think like they're just brooke lopez would you rather him shoot a three or would you rather him be in the paint backing down someone like i know it seems like he's his game is transitioning more to the to the to the outside but still like this is a chance for the bucks to to abuse them in the paint and then the free throws, 15 of 23 for the Bucks. So still not hitting, you know, they get more than the last game, but but still not ideal going 15 of 23. And then this was, um, for the Suns, this was Booker's best game of the playoffs so far, scoring 31 points. And something, too, that I noticed, and I did notice this while watching the game, and you'll see it when I show that play, it's... It was just it seemed like everybody was contributing like uh, Jay Crowder would would hit some threes. Booker was consistent. CP3, I think, has played really well throughout the whole series. Um, Aiton obviously was big bridges. It just was all it seemed like all the starters were contributing. And when the starters were on the court for the Suns, they were easily winning this this game. It was the the problem came from the bench in my opinion the bench players for the suns and this gets back to the sarich injury is that's one less guy you have for the bench um and so they they uh another you know good thing for the suns which helped them win this game was they were 20 of 40 from three a lot of those were good looks um as you'll see later on and and it was just a uh you know, obviously they were at home, so they had the home court advantage. And um, the game really wasn't that interesting after halftime. Like the the Suns had a lead, the Bucks would make a little run, but not threaten the lead really. And the Suns just ended up winning the game. So let me go uh, go over to Twitter real quick, so I can show you guys what everybody's been uh, dying to see. Here is this play, and and Eric, you didn't watch what any was that game number too, that right? popped up. <laughs> I don't know. Wait, we were talking about like at the top here, like when you do like oh, scripting yeah. thing. I have Crackers a uh, ads blocked. <laughs> That's a lot of ads blocked. Oh yeah, you're looking at my. Uh, my <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm not sure how accurate this is. I think they inflate the 1.17 days of time saved. 
But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, uh, let me let me get on the Twitter real quick. I have a uh, on the Twitter. <laughs> I have a bookmarked um, tweet. Oh my god, are you serious? That person deleted their tweet because it's not on my bookmarks. Oh, I must say, I must say, that's a great bookmark right there with Dennis Schroeder. Like, <laughs> I know I did bookmark that because it was funny. Uh, basically, Dennis, there was a tweet saying Dennis Schroeder has communicated he wants 100 million to 120 million in free agency. Eric, what do you Jeez. put you on the spot here, Eric? What do you think about that? Uh, Dennis Schroeder, you're my boy and everything. You helped my Thunder team get to the playoffs last year when nobody thought we were going to do anything besides be in the basement. But come on, man. Like <laughs> he, wants that, he wants that Harrison Barnes money. Like, I don't know. Maybe some team that has a ton of cap space will fork that out, but he is... Charlotte, I'm, I'm yeah. looking at you, Charlotte. Don't do that. <laughs> he is not deserving of that, so... You know, Michael See, Jordan likes uh, to give those big old contracts, giving that big one to Gordon Hayward. Like, don't do it, Charlotte. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, uh, Zach, are you going to go to find it? Oh, this this is it right here, guys. Yep. So it's not a minute and 37 seconds, but um, here, thank you to the at NBA underscore Philippines for having the the tweet with the the when I searched Suns game to play. They came up and the, they were the first one to come up with with the actual thing I wanted to show. So let me go ahead and mute this real quick. Let me rewind. Um. This was at, in the late second half. The Suns were going on a run in offensive possession that when I saw it, I just went, wow. And then I'll tell you guys what it reminded me of once you see it, and then I'll get your reaction to it. So let me go ahead and play this real fast. So basically it's 18 seconds, probably like 13 different passes. Um, I thought the Bucks did pretty good on defense too on that possession. It wasn't like the Bucks were just like, you know, not playing, but um, 13 different passes or so guys, some guys had three point shots that they could have taken, but they went, they, they kept swinging the ball around to try and find a better shot, better shot. Crowder got a little lucky on that one pass that got deflected and went back to him. And then he made a pass down to somebody. And then they made a pass to, I think that was Bridges, um, that uh, got fouled while he was dunking the ball or, or laying it up there. I can't remember. But it was an and one that they converted. And it just took the building just exploded after that possession. Um, and to me, the thing that that reminded me of was the one of those, you know, Warriors teams from a couple years ago where they would just have those crazy possessions like that, where they would get teams running around like try, there was always like some guy that was open and then they would pass it to that guy and he wouldn't shoot it. But then he'd pass it to a guy even more open. And then eventually Steph would make a shot and then the place would go crazy. So. I'll start with Eric. What were your thoughts seeing that play? And what's your reaction to that? And and do you have like a similar feeling as I did? Yeah, that was, like I said earlier, I did not get to watch game two because of work. So I had not seen this until just now. And that's the type of stuff that I love to see in basketball because I, I don't really like the way the game is played now. A lot of the time when you see teams just doing it's all ISO or it's all pick and roll only like they're that's pretty much what these teams rely on and stuff. But what I, I love seeing plays where there's good ball movement, they're getting everybody involved. Players aren't being selfish and that that's what, that's what you like to see, man. And like you said, there was, you know, there was part of this where they got really lucky there with Crowder where they didn't lose the ball there. But, but I mean, overall the ball movement was spectacular and, just watching them, you know, play as a team and not just take the immediate shot, try to get a better shot. I mean, you love to see it. So if they if they can keep that up, that'll be that'll be a nice thing for them because that that's the best way to get offense in the NBA, in my opinion, is doing stuff like this. 
So, Connor, same thing. What did, what did you think when you watched this play happen? I mean, Eric's right. I mean, it's yeah. something that honestly is good for the game, in my opinion. You know, so much of the NBA now is all about me, 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 and you get all these guys playing hero ball. Like, I mean, some of them are good at it. Some of them are bad at it. I mean, but you look at any all-star from, you know, LeBron to Steph to Dame, Giannis, like all these guys, like they all want to play hero ball most of the time. You know, you don't see, you know, a lot of passing going on. I mean, people are like, oh, like LeBron's such a good passer or whatever. But like, you know, regardless, it's all about me, me, me now in the NBA. Like it's all about getting your stats, your numbers. And, you know, seeing a team that's unselfish enough to pass it around, like you said, maybe like 13 times or so during that clip. Like, you know, it's just something it's something you see a lot of in college still, which I think is really interesting. It's kind of one of the reasons why I like watching college basketball more is they're a lot more unselfish. It's kind of why they also talk about, you know, when they talk about unbreakable records in NBA history, like John Stockton's assist record is like one of the most unbreakable, especially with the way the game is played now. Like, you know, you see a lot of buckets come off of like individual efforts now. It's not so much setting up guys anymore or anything like that. Um, it's all about individual play. So it's it's I would like to see more of this, honestly. It's too bad that we don't, but it's important. Yeah, this for is the like game. when it's this something important. like this happens, it's like yeah. a special thing. Like everybody goes crazy because it's so yeah. rare. Is that go back yeah. to the part where Devin Booker had the ball? Yeah, I was actually gonna talk about that. I was like I'm glad that he didn't try and force up a three to try and get a foul call. Yeah, that's exactly. See, like if here. this was yeah right the, here, if this was the Nets in this situation, and that's James Harden with the ball, the ball he, yeah, <laughs> he's jacking the ball well, up and flailing himself into the defender trying to get a foul. And yeah. so it's well, even just, to not well, see that. Well, even just looking at like you know in the past, like I think you know probably one of the biggest offenders of taking like contested threes when they shouldn't have was you know Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant took so many contested threes. Like every time you watched him play, it was just like, you know, he would just kind of stand there for, you know, a couple seconds or whatever thinking, and then just like jack up a three. And it's like, well, why'd you do that? Why didn't you try to like, you know, pass it or get a better shot or whatever? So, um, you know, like I said, hopefully we see more of this because it's what the NBA needs. <laughs> yeah. It, it's right, refreshing, yeah. man. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I will go ahead, by the way, guys, and retweet this. If you want to follow me, on Twitter at Guacfo Life, you can see this retweet I had. Uh, I'm actually the third person to retweet it. Um, so go follow the NBA Philippines too. Um, <laughs> they had a good video. It was a minute and 37 <laughs> seconds, but it was they showed it from different angles. This play from different angles. I just had it kind of running on a loop for YouTube. But yeah, watch that play, guys, because when I saw it, I was like, wow, uh, that was just it was just beautiful to watch. Like like you said, Eric, this is like. This is how we want to watch basketball being played. And it kind of signified to me like that this game for the Suns, like it was there was no like hero ball. There was no selfishness here. It was let me find a better shot. Let me find a better shot. Hardly any dribbling. It, the ball didn't stick. It was, you know, multiple passes, you know, got a little lucky on that one. But overall, I thought that play kind of signified this game and was a big reason why after this game in game two a lot of people are like okay the series is over now like what what are the bucks possibly gonna do to to stop this and lo and behold game three happened and they did stop it so i'll turn it over to connor now to lead us into game three discussion yeah i was about to say like lo and behold look what happened so um you know obviously this was the first I actually read an interesting stat, which I, I mean, I probably should have known this, but I didn't really think about it. This was the first NBA Finals game that had been held in Milwaukee since 1974. So obviously the Deer District was excited. Um, you know, I know a lot of Bucks fans were excited, but Giannis coming back in this game, another 40-point game, um, did really well from the free throw line. I think that was probably one of the biggest keys to his game in this one. Um, shooting 77% from the free throw line, 13 of 17. Probably helps when you don't have a bunch of opposing fans counting one, two, three, <laughs> going all the yeah, way there, well. there was that one Suns fan in the cave, that not one clip, and he was like, one, two, three, four. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like bro, so, get out of here. <laughs> so I'm sure that helped him out. Um, obviously, probably another big key to the reason why this game was really a blowout 
um, was the fact, sorry, there's a car going off. I don't know if you can hear that, but um, another big key to this game was Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday actually had good games. Um, Middleton, you know, he was 18 points isn't fantastic, but I mean, you know, he did shoot efficiently six of 14. Um, and I guess that's really all you want from them. Drew Holiday was eight of 14. He was 50% from three. And the Bucks just got solid contributions all around. Um, Burke Lopez had a little bit of an off night, but, you know, when Giannis is scoring 40 points and Middleton and Drew Holiday are doing well, then that's all you can ask for. Um, still really jacking up those threes. I know that's really still not a good thing for them. The fact that they were 14 of 36, like that's still a good number. Um, Percentage-wise, that's about 38%, 39%. So you're not going to complain with that, but, you know, it's still kind of going against... Zach's or strategy for the Bucks, so they need to get into the paint more. Um, thankfully, Giannis only took two three pointers all game, so Giannis was getting into the paint. But really, I guess the main story about this is like while the Bucks were playing great, the Suns were not. Um, Jay Crowder was honestly probably the standout player aside from CP3 on the Suns. Uh, six of seven from three. I mean, that's just insane. I told you, Jay Crowder's going to do one of those in every series, and this time they <laughs> lost it. But I'm like, I'm like, Jay Crowder always pl- has that one game where he shoots like crazy. You yeah. know, <laughs> I remember like watching so many of those games in the finals last year with the Heat, where like every time they pass it to him, I'd be like, oh, well, this is going to be a miss. Like, I don't know why he's doing this, but <laughs> yeah, so six. Six of seven from three. CP3 had a good game, obviously, um, you know, 19 points, nine assists. You know, he did all he could. But really the story in this game was two things. One was how bad Devin Booker played. Um, three of 14. I mean, that's just not going to get it done, especially when Middleton and Holiday are playing good. Like the Suns really need Devin Booker to actually show up on the court because without especially with the other thing that happened in this game, DeAndre Ayton was on fire to start this game. I remember I was like, I wasn't actually watching the game, but I was following it on ESPN. And I saw that like in the first quarter, the Suns, I think they had like 23 points and like 16 of them were from Ayton. Like it was ridiculous how well he was doing. But, you know, the problem is, you know, I said that he had 16 in the first quarter and he ended with 18, which means something obviously went wrong. (laughs) And that was that he just got in serious foul trouble. Um, You know, by the end of the game, he had he didn't foul out, but he did have five by the end of the game. Eric was saying how he sat out the entire third quarter in that game because of it. Um, And really, it just goes back to what we were talking about in game one um, and talking about with the Sarich injury. Like they just kept getting out rebounded. Not having Aiton on the floor really hurt them inside. The Bucks were just kind of having their way in, in the paint. Um, Cameron Johnson, also my X-Factor for the series, played really bad. Um, only one of five from three. He also got into foul trouble with five fouls. So despite playing, you know, he played a lot of minutes in this game. Um, you know, he is a little bit of a bigger body. So I know they're wanting to have him on the floor more with no Sarge. He can at least try and help with the rebounding problem. But... I guess um, I, I guess one more thing before I ask you guys my question is uh, I guess the other big home court advantage that the Bucks have is, you know, you can't go to any other NBA home arena anywhere across the country and find David Bakhtiari chugging beers like no tomorrow uh, on the Jumbotron because <laughs> yeah. that's probably I think that's got to be one of like the greatest traditions now in the NBA. Like every time there's a Bucks like big home game just watching like David Bakhtiari up there chugging the beers and like, yeah, like go Bucks. <laughs> um, yeah, that's pretty cool to see. Um, but I guess my question for you guys is, do you think that, I don't know, um, that this, that the Bucks have found the recipe for success? Like, is this going to lead to more, you know, Zach talked about how they probably honestly should have won game two. Um, do you think this is the catalyst? Like, can they really, come back now like they know if they attack Aiton if they get Aiton in foul trouble is this like is that it for the Suns if they can't get if they can't keep Aiton out of foul trouble uh I'll go first on this I I don't think that they've found the success I mean they did win by 20 points so that's something to note but I think to me when you look at this game three what stands out is Booker was just not Booker. I mean, he's one of those guys that I think is hot and cold. 
and this was just a cold game for him. But if he he's he's easily capable of scoring thirty five, and well, well, actually, here I guess I know. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Yeah. I guess I have a better question for you than actually that actually okay. come up with it. So. You know, you talked about which injury was worse, DiVincenzo or um, Sarge. But my question is, what's worse? Is it worse for the Bucks if Middleton doesn't show up, or is it worse for the Suns if Booker doesn't show up? That's tough. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say it's worse for the Suns because uh, with Giannis and how he's been playing, it, Giannis is like getting 40 points a game. So when you get like 40 points from Giannis, you should be competitive. Like that's 40 points. Like if your team scores 100 points, that's just think about that. That's 40, 40. And so he's been showing up every game. So I'm not afraid to say that the the Bucks should be in all these games solely for Giannis. And then you just need a role player. You need you need a Holiday or a Lopez or a PJ Tucker or a Bobby Portis, somebody PJ like that, <laughs> or combine PJ Tucker and Bobby Portis to get you twenty five or something like that. Just some sort of other thing. Middleton very important, but Booker is honestly supposed to be the best player on the Suns. He's supposed to be the best scorer. CP three has been, but you know in the regular season and stuff, usually it's Booker. So I, that's why I'm saying it's Booker. But Eric, what about you? Oh yeah, I mean, like you just said, Devin Booker is supposed to be the best player on the Suns team. You know, while Middleton's the second best player for the Bucks, he's not expected to go out there and be the best player. So him having an off night every now and then, you know, isn't necessarily the end of the world for the Bucks. But I mean, you saw here Booker had only ten points on three of fourteen shooting. I mean that's that's just awful and that's not that's not going to get it done man i mean i don't know like because even in the first game he had 27 points but he took a pretty good amount of shots to get that 27 points it Mm -hmm. wasn't the most efficient 27 points so booker's really only been good in game two so if the suns are going to close out the series he's going to have to do a lot better than this because i mean if he well i i to kind of piggyback off of that original question like I don't necessarily the Bucks. I don't think they've necessarily totally found a key to success because it's not a guarantee they're going to be able to get Aiton in foul trouble all the time and then it's also right. not a guarantee that they're going to be hot like they were in the third and fourth quarter of this of this game where Giannis making they his were, free throws yeah um, Giannis making most of the free throws the Bucks, I mean at home he, at home he might yeah that's true for they, sure. they, they made a they made a lot of threes in the second half of that game i mean they they just seemed like the bucks were making everything and i I don't expect them to keep doing that but if booker keeps only going out there and going three or 14 every game then the suns could be in trouble all right okay yeah so that'll that'll wrap up uh, i guess game three discussion so i told you it couldn't be any worse eric (laughs) (laughs) no that was good that was good connor that was some good questions Yeah, you you did fine. I do my best. (laughs) All right. So now let me get to a couple of these. Let me see where we're at on time real quick. Okay. So I'll pick probably uh, a couple of these questions I came up with. Um, So these are kind of questions I have or just things I've noticed throughout the series. Um, And I'll see how you guys feel about these. But um, I'm going to start with... uh, I'll tell you guys a couple things that have happened coaching wise. So we didn't really talk much about coaching earlier, but um, after game one, Budenholzer calls out the refs saying that they should have more free throws because they only shot in game one, uh, 16 compared to the Suns 26. And then Monty Williams for the Suns does the exact same thing after game three where the Bucks have 26 free throws and the Suns have 16. So the roles reverse there. And it happens after the coaches, you know, called out the, the free throw discrepancy. Um, so I don't think that there's been, I don't think the referees have been bad, particularly bad in the series. Like, yeah, there's missed calls either both ways on certain things sometimes, but it's not 
to me, it seems more like the style of play in the games impacts the foul, the free throw numbers. And I think both coaches were not right to say what they did, but obviously it's an advantage for them to say that because when you get that said, it has an effect on the referees and, um, and it seems to usually end up working out that way where if a coach calls out, you know, my team hasn't gotten as much free throws then the next game, they'll get more than they did the one before. So now with uh, coach Williams saying this, do you think this matters at all? Do you think what I'll start with Eric, what do you think about the, and then you can also talk about both coaches. Like if they need to do any adjustments, I heard an interview where, where somebody asked like, um, what are you going to do to tell Booker, um, what are you going to do to like to coach Booker up or something like that after he did really bad in game three? And he said nothing. He's like, he said nothing. Booker's a, a great player. I, I don't want to mess with him. Like, what do you what do you think they should do with Booker? And then um, what do you think Budenholzer should do for the Bucks, Eric? Yeah, well, I know that's a lot. All, <laughs> yeah, that's a lot to take in there. But I mean, first of all, about the foul thing, I mean, most likely the Sun maybe not in game four, but by the time the Suns go back home in game five, they'll probably get more calls. But I think for uh, both of these coaches, though, to do this is kind of a, I don't know, I don't want to say trashy like the fans thing, but I, I, it's, a lame move <laughs> my, it's a lame move in my opinion because... It's a lame move. Because, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, look at look at the stats in game one when the Bucks didn't get that many free throws like I like I talked about. They shot like a buttload of three pointers in that game. And when you're shooting threes the whole game, you're not going to get many fouls. And then in game three for the Suns, they shot like 31 threes, I think it was in that game. So when you're relying on the jump shot, especially three pointers, you're not going to get very many fouls. <laughs> I mean, it's that simple when you're, if you're not driving to the paint, you know, you're, you're not going to get that many foul calls. So that, that, I don't know. I, I get, like I said, like Zach said, I mean, I get why they do it because they want to try to get an advantage in the next game and all that. But to now, if you're like driving into the paint the whole game and you're not getting foul calls, then I think you have every right to call off the rest. Like, okay, this is garbage. You're not, you know, you're not playing fair when we're being aggressive, but somehow, even though there's contact, you're a lot of the times you're not giving us fouls. Then you have every right. But when you're jacking up 53s, yeah, we didn't get any foul calls. Like, well, that duh. Like, <laughs> so I don't <laughs> know. Expect? I, I that that almost kind of got me on a mini rant there when so I didn't li- I didn't listen to the press conference yeah. and stuff so I didn't know those were that those things were said but I had heard I had heard the Budenholzer one after game one but I didn't realize that Monty Williams came and said it after game three too yeah he was like frustrated with the disparity I think he said he didn't like call out an official by name like or anything but he was he was like frustrated at the discrepancy I think is what he said like between the teams free throws so. yeah so that that's my that's my uh that's my issue with that. Um, as for uh, coaching adjustments, uh, if I'm the Bucks, if I'm Mike Budenholzer, I'm doing exactly what we did in game three. I'm staying aggressive on the offensive end. I'm going after eight and as much as possible. Now, what, what, they, what they want to avoid doing is they don't want to just try to necessarily <laughs> – go after him every single play because then it's going to be obvious what they're doing and uh and then the Suns can catch on to that and have you know defensive rotations and adjust differently and they can stop it easier if they know that's exactly what they're going to do so don't necessarily just right from the get-go like go out and do that but if you can get some pick and rolls and create switches to where you can get you know a smaller guy on eight and like maybe like a Middleton or somebody like that and just go after him like that, then you can get you can get some fouls on him and get him in foul trouble, and then then you're going to be able to get a lot of those offensive rebounds and stuff like you did in Game Three. So if I'm the Bucks, yeah, that's what I'm doing. If I'm the Suns, if I'm Monty Williams, you know they're in a tougher position. You know, not having Sarge because you don't necessarily want Aiden to be as aggressive because you don't want him to get in foul trouble again. But they've got to figure out. Uh, 
a better way of getting Devin Booker more involved offensively. I mean, obviously he was bad in the last game, you know, only being three of 14 and everything, but they need to find a way to get him some easy looks, you know, get him do They need to do like what they were doing in game one, where they were creating a lot of switches to where they were getting to where either CP three or Devin Booker would have guys like Bobby Portis or Brooke Lopez on them. I mean, that that's what you want. Create mismatches, you know, get you some better looks. That's going to create you some easy shots, and then that'll help you get into a rhythm. And that's what they need to do. They can't have these, you know, cold periods on offense like they did in game three because, you know, that could be in trouble. So those those are the mm-hmm. two main adjustments if I'm the coaches. And then was there any other question about the coaches? No, you kind of asked me a lot there. <laughs> yeah, no, I did. I, I kind of just started saying stuff. <laughs> and adding more things to it but you did a good job you pretty much <laughs> did everything i wanted to say <laughs> okay <cool>. uh <laughs> i've got a i've got a different question now for connor to answer and I'll, I'll wait i'll give my opinion too so uh with there being two days off now in between games uh this bit of extra time people are debating who it benefits more to have this extra time for me i'm picking I'm saying that it benefits the Suns more solely because the team that loses the game, I think it's better for them to get an extra day off. Whereas like if it was closer games, you know, to each other, the team that won the game is probably like, all right, let's go again. You know, let's, let's, let's win. And let's, let's just go ahead and win it again. Whereas the Suns, they lost the game. They get an extra day to adjust and, and change up what they might do differently. So that's why I think the Suns benefit more by this. But Connor, what about you? Do you agree with that or disagree? I mean, I guess you kind of said it like it just depends on which team it is that loses the game, right? You know, because I do agree that when it comes to if you were doing like a a back to back or a you know like only one day in between, then yeah, I agree. The team that won's probably you know at a better advantage because it's like you said they have the momentum they know what worked they're like okay like let's go again like you said or you know whatever but i do agree that with the extra time off it's better for the team that loses because you know like you said it gives them time to regroup and figure out what worked and what didn't and maybe you know if like devin booker's got i don't know <laughs> to quote foot at the end something from the nfl maybe seeing ghosts like sam darnold was you know it gives yeah. him time to just you know kind of go back and practice and be like, okay, like calm down, like, you know, work on his jump shot, work on whatever to get those demons out of his head and come back ready for game four. So, um, and also like you said, just an extra day of rest. I mean, honestly, just benefits both teams really. I mean, you know, when you're playing, you know, a playoff series and you're playing every other day, especially in a game like the NBA where, you know, People, guys like Giannis and Middleton and Chris Paul, maybe not Chris Paul as much, but like Devin Booker, you know, like they're playing 40 minutes a game just about. And, you know, it takes its toll being out there on the court all the time, Um, you know, especially if one of these games were to go to overtime or anything like that. Like it's it's going to take a toll on your body. So really, like I said, it benefits both teams, honestly, Mm -hmm. Um just the extra rest. But yeah, I would agree with you that it's whatever team loses probably has yeah. more benefit. Cause you know, that team that one's really wanting to get going again, but they can't because you have to wait an extra day. So um, yep. yeah. So in this case it would be the Suns. And then the final question that I have for you guys, I'll, I'll give it for both of you guys, but um, are, have these finals been boring? Because, like I, I think I said before, no ties or lead changes at all in the second half. So the team winning at halftime, you could turn the TV off and know that they win the game in these three games. Obviously, you don't know that when it happens, but that's how it's been. So um, it is two to one. So it's not like it's a three oh series right now. But um, is this a problem for you guys? Is this where does this, this finals rank compared to other finals you've watched? I'll start with Eric. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say that it hurts a little bit. I these these games definitely could be better, obviously. And I will say, though, I mean, while there weren't like obviously, like you said, there haven't been any lead changes in the second halves of any of these games, but there's at least been times where it points in the second halves of each of the games. It looked like 
the team that lost the game could at least get back in it. Like I know, like I think the Suns at one point in Game Three in the third quarter, I think they got it to within like five or six at one point. Mm-hmm. I know the Bucks did that a couple times. So at least there were times it was close. It wasn't like the team got up by twenty at halftime and then it just stayed like how the Suns Lakers series went after AD got hurt. You know, like, yeah, it wasn't like the team got up by 20 in the first or second quarter and then just it stayed that way the whole game. But, you know, more lead changes would be nice, especially later in the game or, you know, we haven't had that moment yet where it was like, oh my gosh, it came down to a crazy play in the An alley-oop. Quarter. Yeah, like the, the alley-oop. Video. I mean, I, I don't expect anything like that to happen again. That was just truly insane. But, you know, no like last second, you know, buzzer beater or some clutch shot that, put it over the edge you know we haven't had anything like that yet so i i do think it's been a slight hurt i guess if i was going to grade these finals so far i'd give it maybe like a, a b minus because there's been some exciting stuff there's been some good plays obviously like the one zach pulled up you know there's been you know some cool Giannis has had two 40 point games i mean so th- there's been a lot of exciting stuff but it's just we haven't had anything at the end of the game that's been exciting so i can't give it a high grade but so I, i'm gonna go like b minus right now okay connor and then same thing for you well, i think one thing that honestly probably hurts this finals a little bit in terms of like you said the excitement factor is just the fact that how exciting the playoffs have been up to this point like you know we you know the series like especially like you know the bucks and Nets series the Hawks and 76ers series, um, you know, the the Clippers and uh, Mavericks series. Like, there was a lot of really good series throughout the playoffs leading up to this point. We were talking about how, like, you know, really the only thing that put a damperance on this was, you know, obviously all the injuries like AD and Kawhi and uh, Trey Young and all those other injuries and whatnot. But um, really, from an excitement factor of the games, that was probably like an A if you just looked at the series in general. Um looking at the playoffs and leading up to this. Yeah, it is a little bit disappointing that we haven't had any games where we're just kind of like, Oh, like you're on the edge of your seat the whole time. It's just yeah, kind of like back or right. Something. And like, you know, cause we had so many, especially in that Hawks and 76ers series, like there was at least two games in that series where it was like one for each team. Right. Cause it was like, you know, in game one, the Hawks were up by like 25 or something and the 76ers almost came back and won. And then the same thing happened. And it was either game five or game six. I can't remember where like the Sixers were up, by like 20 some points and then the Hawks came back and won. But um, it's just, you really want something like that in a series like this. Now, I guess one thing that's also saving it though, is the fact that it is two to one, like you said. Mm-hmm. And even if there is another blowout in game four, if the Bucks win game four, then it, that kind of saves it even more almost. Cause even though the games themselves haven't been exciting, it's like the series is exciting because it's tied at two, two. Yeah. So you're like, you don't know which way it's going to go. Um, but yeah, I agree. It's just like you really want more of this kind of on the edge of your seat rather than, you know, Eric said he fell asleep or something watching like the yeah, second I was quarter really of game tired. three. <laughs> you were, but like, you know, if it's exciting, you're not going to fall asleep. So clearly yeah. it wasn't exciting enough for Eric to stay awake. So, yeah. um, I mean, I I'd probably have to go in the same neighborhood, like a B minus or maybe like a C, like a C plus, I guess. Um, you know, if the Bucks end up winning game four, and it's like a blowout win, then I'll probably elevate it to like a B just because again, like it, it'll make the series exciting. Um, but if the Suns went in like a blowout in game four, then I'm probably going to downgrade oh, it yeah. to like a, like a C minus or a D. Yeah. All right, guys, that's going to wrap this NBA finals well, discussion. Zach, Zach, what's your, uh, what's your grade on this or your thoughts? <laughs> okay. You, okay. You guys want to know what I think? Okay. You put this question in the slide, like right before we started the podcast. I was like, okay, I want to know what I did. Think, you know? <laughs> okay. 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 So I'll, yeah, you're right. I should say what I think. Um, <laughs> I w- if I had to give it a grade, honestly, I'd give it a D um, oh, not an oh. F because an F would be if it was a three O lead, but the fact that like we haven't had any like usually in the finals now lately they haven't been great to be honest because like the the heat lakers we all knew it was going to happen warriors raptors i thought was a pretty good one yeah that was actually um, a good finals i think the we're one probably, before that we're, we're still the, trying to look for that 
Yeah, the Warriors Cavs ones at the end they got to be blowouts, but the one with the one where the Cavs had that comeback, that one was good. But um and then Heat Spurs, I'm going way back now, but those were the well, the first one was good. The I second mean, especially one was, if we're talking about recent, like the last Cavs Warriors final was really bad. Like, yeah, I know that, yeah, that, that was, was that one was trash. Like like the but, only game of that one that was actually good was that game one when J.R. Smith had his infamous screw up. Like yeah. <laughs> And also, too, I am comparing for uh, earlier rounds in the playoffs. So, like, we've we've seen, like, the Bucks nets That was crazy. You know, like you said, Hawks 76ers. Um, uh, some of the West series. Honestly, Portland and Denver was pretty crazy at times. So, it's... Oh, yeah, uh, like when Dame went off. What was it, like, game that, four like, or five when he went off? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah the, there's been... This is like the low point of the playoffs, and that's probably why I give it a D is because these this series so far has been one of the worst series to watch as an entertainment aspect because it's the finals. So you expect a, you expect close games because you expect two really good competitive teams. And the fact that these games haven't been like that to me as a fan watching it, you lose interest throughout the game. Um, well, I guess it's kind of like, you know, like in the Super Bowl this year, right? Like, yeah, you know, we thought it was going to yeah, be like a really close game, you know, between the Chiefs and the Bucks. Like we're thinking, oh, OK, it's going to be like a repeat of last year again, like the Chiefs offense versus the Bucks defense. But then it just turned into a Bucks blowout. And it's like you never want to yeah. see the Super Bowl be a blowout like. Yeah, your favorite teams in it. And Unless it's your team. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. But like, you know, the other thing, you know, and and even like, yeah, even if you have a rooting interest, it's still like you would rather see it be close. And then obviously you want that rooting team to win. But you want to you want to be at least on the edge of your seat, you know, as sports fans and be like, you know, wanting to watch the game, uh, not being like, gonna, OK, I so. disagree with that. But <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, I would Jags, disagree with Jags that, too. The Super Bowl, if the Jags get in the Super no, Bowl I'm, and we went 49 nothing, I'll be cheering. No, I'm not. No, no, okay. Eric, Eric, I'm not saying that. I'm saying if it's not your favorite team. Oh, oh if it's not your favorite team. Oh, That's oh, why I said I, as sports I, fans, I, if it's not I your favorite swore team. I you said even if it's your favorite team. And, like, no, I said a, even if you have a rooting interest. Like, if you if you're rooting for a team. Like, if the two teams are playing, you're rooting for team A. You want it to be a close game. I see what you're saying. Yeah. I yeah, misunderstood yeah. that. That was my sorry. Mind. Yeah, if it's your favorite <laughs> team, yeah, I'll, yeah. But. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I was about to say that too. I'd be like, well, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure those Seahawks fans were pretty happy about what happened in that Super Bowl against the Broncos. Like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, no, no fan of a team is going to be complaining about a a win of any kind, really. But. Um, but all right, guys, that's gonna unless you're the Jets. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Ouch! Our shots Woo! fired. Shots fired at the New York Jets in this episode. Did not plan that before the the <laughs> podcast. Um, that's going to wrap things up, guys. Hopefully, you enjoyed listening, and we will be back next week either to talk about a champion or to talk about game six and seven. So stay tuned for that. And as always, remember: be clutch. Bye. Peace.